1: Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus often used parables in his teaching, but the use of parables did not originate with him. Semitic people have always had a liking for allegorical teaching. In the West, we tend to favour philosophical, abstract forms of speech. We deal in concepts or logic. But in non-Western countries, imagination is more important than ideas. Therefore, any form of language which can create pictures and illustrations is used. Jesus spoke in parables for two reasons. First, to reveal. The word parable comes from two separate words, para, meaning alongside, and bella, which is to cast. So, a parable is an earthly story or picture cast alongside a heavenly truth to illustrate it. But the second reason that Jesus told parables actually was to conceal. Jesus came to reveal truth to those who were hungry for it. He taught in parables, often leaving out the interpretation so that genuine seekers would ask for the meaning. Are you a seeker after truth? Seek with a humble heart and you will find. This is Set Free with Ken Legg.
0: And this week we're looking at advancing the kingdom. We'll be looking at the parables of Matthew 13, which are commonly referred to as the parables of
1: the kingdom. Hello, Ken. It's the right description, isn't it? That is. When we think about this planet on which we live, I like to think of it in terms of three different words. First of all, earth, then world, then kingdom. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, a perfect world, if you like. But then, of course, sin entered, and that came under the power of Satan and under the system of the world, uh, the cosmos, if you like, which is a system designed to draw us away from God. But then Jesus arrived, and he announced that the kingdom of God had arrived. Now, the Jews expected God's kingdom to come at the end of the age, but Jesus began his ministry by announcing that it had already Arrived, Mm -hmm. Of course, where the king is, there's the kingdom. So it's already at work within people on earth, and it's heading towards an eschatological climax. Do you like that word, Phil? a big word for this time of the day, Ken. It certainly is. Now, the first parable that Jesus told in this chapter was the parable of the sower and the seed. And it's a key parable because he said to the disciples, do you understand this parable? If you don't, how will you understand all the parables? So it's a key parable mm. to understanding the rest. Now, the the, the, the the message, if you like, Phil, is that the kingdom of God breaks in upon the world just like a seed when it's sown into the ground. It it breaks through the soil uh, of the earth and 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 into this new life. That's what the kingdom of God is like. I love those slow-mo time uh,
0: capture, capturing pic- pictures, you know, where they see the thing just breaks up through the soil and
1: then comes yeah. forth. You know? It's beautiful. Great yeah. picture. It is indeed. And of course, the seed is the word of God. Do you think that a king would come to establish his kingdom with swords and weapons? But mm. no, he, his army's um, got seeds. And the seed, of course, is the word of the kingdom. Peter says that we've been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. And he goes on to say, this is the word which by the gospel was Preach to you. So, whenever we hear the gospel, we receive the seed of the kingdom and we're born again as we receive that by faith. Mm. Now, in the natural realm, you know, you just talked about growth in the natural realm. In the natural realm, we can't tell how the combination of light, air, water, earth, sunshine all work together to bring life from the seed. It's, it's an incredible thing, it's a miracle. And God's kingdom is like that. We can't really tell how it operates in the sense of seeing it in that invisible realm. Jesus said, you know, that which is born of the spirit is spirit and the wind blows where it where it chooses. You don't know, you don't see it actually operating. You see the effects of it, but the whole thing is like this invisible realm, but it's it's actively working.
0: Mm. Interesting how we so easily accept those miracles, as you say, the seed coming forth. We say, oh, that's how, it's ha- how it happens, but we sometimes find it hard to get our head around Uh, the spiritual dimension, but when we're talking about seed, there's no good having seed unless you actually sow it somewhere, and that's where we need a sower, which, of course, that's you and I.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Life and death is dependent on sowing. Uh, So is eternal life, heaven and hell, if you like. Isn't it amazing, Phil? I don't know if it's like that in your garden, but in my garden, weeds will grow without sowing? Oh, no, (laughs) no, no, never. No, you're you're blessed. (laughs) But wheat and barley won't. You've got to sow seed to get that. And uh, sin doesn't need a sower, does it? But salvation does. And as you've said, Phil, every Christian is a sower. Now, in Israel, back in the days of the Bible, uh, seed was sown broadcast. And, And I love that picture because it says to us, don't sow your seed sparingly. Sow beside all waters. Don't observe the wind. Don't regard the clouds, as the Bible says. But sow in season and out of season. Sow abundantly. Now, I heard a statistic once, Phil, that uh, three-fifths of all seed that's sown never bears fruit. Uh, Three out of every five. That's that's high. That's high. But then again, look at the other side. That means that two-fifths does bear fruit. Uh, There will be a harvest. Uh, Maybe you won't reap it. Maybe I won't reap it. But others will. You know, Paul said, I've planted, Apollos watered, but God gives the increase. Then mm. he goes and say, he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive a reward according to his own labor. So we are just got to be faithful in sowing and watering the seed.
0: Mm. Well, the seed, of course, but there is a third ingredient, if you like, in this first parable.
1: There's the sower, the seed, but also soil. Yeah, in fact, I think the main focus of the parable is the soil. You know, we call it the parable of the sower, But when you think about it, it was the same sower in every situation where the seed fell. It was the same seed, but what made the difference was the soil Mm. into which the seed was sown. Now, the message of the kingdom receives different responses. Now, why is that? Well, Jesus taught us that the soil represents the heart, and he gave us four different examples of heart conditions. First of all, there was the wayside soil. Now, this was actually a pathway through the cornfields and it was so hard and compressed because people have walked on it that the seed never actually entered into it. It lay upon the top of the soil, and the birds came down and, well, yeah, developed gobbled it all up, yeah. gobbled it all up, and that represents a hardened heart that's incapable of actually receiving an impression, just like concrete. You know, when it's poured, it's uh, you can put your print of your hand or your foot on it, but once it sets, you can't make any impression upon it, and. Some people's hearts become like that. You know, they become hardened through things like pride. We read like um, Pharaoh and Belshazzar; their hearts became hardened. And then, some people's hearts are bitter through, you know, the 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 sufferings of life, the hardships of life. Their hearts become bitter. Then there are those whose hearts are hardened because of unbelief. But we also notice the contrast in this um, illustration, Phil. The seed that fell on the on the wayside. Soil was taken by the devil. Yes, but not all of the seed fell on the wayside. They did it. No, that's right. the The next seed fell on stony ground, which um, doesn't mean ground you know mixed in with stones, but rather a thin layer of soil on top of a rock or a slab of limestone. So the soil was shallow, and the seed had no depth for root. And of course, when the sun played upon it, it was scorched. It represents those who seem to respond to the gospel. But later it's revealed that they responded for the wrong reasons Mm. and they were never really rooted in a genuine faith in Christ. And then, of course, the seed fell amongst the thorny ground and Mm. Jesus said that um, that represents those who are caught up with materialism, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. I guess these sort of people, um, every decision they make is governed by the question, how will this affect me financially or materially? They're kind of consumed with uh, material things. But thankfully, Phil, some seed fell on good ground. And Luke describes this condition as an honest and good heart. Mm. And of course, it brought forth some 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100-fold. Now, it's interesting that at the end of this parable, according to Mark's gospel anyway, he said, Jesus said, take heed what you hear. And that's important that we, we respond to truth, not error. But in Luke's gospel, he said, Take heed how you hear. In other words... It's an interesting distinction. It is. In other words, what it means is um, you're going to hear this through the filter of what's in your heart. So that's why Jesus said that the good soil represents those who have a good and honest heart. In other words, a genuine seeker after truth will always find the seed will, when it uh, lands on their heart, it will take root and it will bear fruit for eternity.
0: Advancing the kingdom, it's something we're all called to do. We'll continue our conversation on this tomorrow. Until then, remember, you don't have to carry that baggage. God wants you to be set free.
1: For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg and details about Ken's ministry, shop online at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.